Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the virtual CISO moment. Dr. Frederick Scholl joins us today. He is the Program Director, Cybersecurity, and Associate Teaching Professor at Quinnipiac University in Connecticut. Uh, Fred, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me on, Greg. And and I appreciate you coming on. I know it's uh, we've known each other for quite some time, and it's been a while since we've actually talked, so I'm looking forward to catching up. But why don't we start by going through your cyber journey? I, I didn't realize until prepping here that you actually graduated from Cornell, which is sort of in my, my neck of the woods because I graduated from the University of Buffalo. Right. So my cyber journey really <clears throat> is a kind of a long and convoluted one. And I think that just says that there's so many opportunities in this field, you can get into it from different ways. So I, I actually started in the data communications business, the secure data communications business using fiber optic technology and fiber optic cables. And that, that was touted as being something that you couldn't tap into. You could use it in uh, trading floors and nuclear power plants. So I started with the, I guess, the confidentiality and integrity part. And then um, <clears throat> so from there, I really started to work on uh, this, the, the other issues with those types of networks was the performance of the network. So people put in fiber optic cables because they wanted better performance. Mm -hmm. And that relates to availability. So I did consulting projects around this time in um, uh, application performance, availability testing. And then, so I had a number of interests in data communication security, application performance, availability. And then really what happened is 9-11 happened and all of a sudden everybody got interested in security. So I started doing more consulting projects in that area and gradually was kind of self-taught. I didn't really have any specific training in this. I have an electrical engineering background, but I had to learn the jargon and the, uh, acquire the skills through uh, just on the job training. <clears throat> and so that led you to teaching now? Well, so that led me to teaching. I was involved at uh, Lipscomb University in Nashville that, you know, they started a uh, program, a graduate program in cybersecurity management. So I took that uh, gig on and helped build the program up, create the courses, recruit the <clears throat> uh, recruit the adjuncts to teach them. And then another opportunity came up, actually, since I'm more from the New York area than the Nashville, Tennessee area to come back east. So Quinnipiac University wanted also to start a cybersecurity degree program, a master's degree program. So in 2018, I came up to do that. And our biggest accomplishment over the last five years is we got uh, the NSA DHS certification as a center of academic excellence just last spring. So congratulations. Uh, we're, 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 you know, we've got the sort of blessing of the NSA and DHS in terms of the quality of our program. So it's been uh, very, you know, our program's been online. Now we have on-ground students as well this fall. So we're doing a lot of things to um, help with uh, cyber education. Is it, is it undergrad or grad or a mixture of both? This is grad. And so we offer master's degrees. But the other thing is we're really getting interested in continuing education. We got a, state, a grant from the state of Connecticut to 
develop short courses. They're called tech talent accelerators, short courses that would be the equivalent of three credits. And so you don't have to be going for a degree to get that. And, and we focused on, one we focused on was pen testing, uh, which is used to not that many. I'm very focused on what jobs are out there. There are not that many jobs for pen testers, but there are a lot of jobs that use pen testing skills in one way or another. And so that's why we're offering this pen testing course. <clears throat> and then two others we're offering are more focused on business issues. So one is cybersecurity and fintech. And the other one is cybersecurity and healthcare. Because my my feeling is we have to engage the business users more with the security process, not just tell them to take an awareness training course every year. We have to make them part of the solution, right? So I'm hoping these courses will be accessible to non-geek, non-technical people that uh, are adjacent to kind of the security operations like legal, HR, finance, all these people. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome because that, that, that is an effective segue into what my next question is going to be, which is going to be what you think is the most significant threat or a most couple of significant threats mm -hmm. to small and mid-sized businesses. And I will give you 30 seconds to think about that. Are you a virtual CISO or interested in the space? Then join us at the Virtual CISO Exchange LinkedIn group. Now, small and mid-sized businesses often need executive-level information security experience but can't afford a full-time CISO. The virtual CISO is one way to address that gap. And this group is for current and interested VCISOs to discuss issues and challenges both generally in information security and those specific to the VCISO space. Go ahead and search for it on LinkedIn. I would imagine that um, some of the um, folks that you get in participating in that that training, probably you can gain some insight from them as to some of the pain points are. But from your perspective, particularly for small and mid-sized businesses, since that's what virtual CISOs generally deal with, um, what would you think is like the most significant threat to cybersecurity threat to small and mid-sized businesses today? Interesting. So we did do, our students have to do a one semester capstone project, which involves some type of research that <clears throat> could be published somewhere. So two students did a project the last this last semester, basically working with New Haven businesses and using the CISA cybersecurity performance goals, the CPGs, which are supposed to be easy to use and easy to understand you know, control objectives for small businesses. So they used those and did risk assessments of these businesses and, um, you know, tried to help them figure out what the next step would be to improve their security. And so we got really a, the students did a great job, but we got a really hands-on in the trenches view of what it's like to be a small business and, uh, you know, dealing with security issues. And so I congratulate you for taking on that market as well. It's a tough market and, but it, it needs a lot of help. What is, the biggest threat is that people running businesses, um, they, they just, they don't un have a structure in mind for what a security program would look like. I would say they don't know what they don't know about risks and they don't know what they don't know about, inexpensive technologies that can help them solve problems and reduce their risk. So I think it's, 
I think a big part of it is education, uh, you know, to tell, show them how they can reduce risks at low cost and to show them what the risks are if they, you know, if, if they do get hit by ransomware or lose, lose records or denial of service attacks, it's going to have a devastating effect on them. So I'm not sure I can think of one exact threat. It's just the lack of understanding that, that these people have about what are the risks and also what are the solutions. So, Well, I mean, that's a huge, uh, we often say in security, you know, what you don't know is uh, what you don't know. That's, that's the, 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 the big risk right there, if you don't know what the risk is. And um, so you mentioned that the students were using the, um, the CISA CPGs um, I'm thinking frameworks here. I'm thinking um, what would be an appropriate framework maybe to a smaller business, in your opinion? Like uh, we often start out our clients with the NIST CSF or, or sometimes maybe the CIS 18, but any thoughts about that? Well, I think the, um, <clears throat> the C CSF, the CPGs, my understanding are, and they may have been updated in the last six months. I think they are a, simplified version of the cybersecurity framework. But that, that's another comment. Even these CPGs are way too complicated for small businesses to absorb. They don't think in terms of controls. They think in terms of keeping the business running, avoiding risk. And these controls uh, just are hard to grasp. So I, I think the CPGs are a abbreviated version of the uh, cybersecurity framework, and it's also prioritized. So it says here are the uh, goals that you that are should be most important, less important, and high you know high priority. So I think they tried to make it easier for small businesses to figure out what to do next. But there's well, no, it's a security lingo. It's not a business lingo. So <laughs> right, that's one of the most difficult. Uh, hills to climb. But now we have cyber insurance coming in where we yeah. used to have where cyber insurance folks would, uh, uh, underwriters would send you a 10 question questionnaire and yeah. people could just check the box and then they would be, they would get their, their underwriting. Uh, but now a lot of cyber insurers are actually demanding more, even adherence to some sort of a framework. So I'm wondering, um, I, I'm getting back to your student study. I'm wondering if, if that study captured from them not only like the risk assessment where the business was at but the general like feeling towards security is that something they just don't feel that they want to be bothered with or they think that maybe their host provider provides all the security for them or did was there nothing really talked about in that in that survey well i think another thing that came out of this is that i mean you're if you're providing vcso services the the other thing is you just can't go into a business and do a risk assessment and give them, you know, recommendations. It's a continuous process that needs to be set up and somebody has to set that process up and keep it going. So, you know, we did the best we could in this, in this project, but I think it just showed that the, the businesses aren't going to pick up and carry the security torch on their own. It really has to be somebody from the outside has to push them along in that. <clears throat> Yeah, because typically, um, 
what I like to tell folks is that there's usually like a, a, a couple of buckets, I think three buckets, where why people would engage a service such as ours. One is that they have to meet some sort of like regulatory compliance. One is that their their customers are asking for like an audit or something. It's becoming a, a, a um, competitive differentiator that you have to have like a SOC 2 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, one might be because they were dinged and they realized, oh, and then the rarest of rare are the ones that are completely proactive who say, you know what? I've read about the security stuff in the papers before. I've read about your starting with the TJ Maxx way, way, way back when and the targets and the Home Depots and all that. And it's like, well, maybe we need to beef up our security program. So I don't know if there's a way to actually get over that hump and accept that us as security professionals need to spend more time actually understanding and talking business lingo as opposed to asking the business folks to understand and talk security technical lingo. Um, would you think that's a fair assessment? Yes. And I think somebody told me that the latest cybersecurity framework has a new front end that really talks about understanding the business maybe more than previous editions. I, I don't think it's officially out yet, but that's that's what I was told. I think that's a good idea. And so we're what we're doing when we're developing courses on cybersecurity and fintech and healthcare, the people developing the course are us, our faculty, plus leading CISOs at healthcare and fintech organizations in the state. So they're in the room developing, we're developing what those guys think their business users would need. You know what I mean? So that's how we're really trying to align the training message and um i think that's one step and yes uh the security professionals need to know more about the business and they can never know too much about it it's critical <clears throat> well, i'm going to ask kind of pivot and ask one question more related to the the nature of, of teaching um do you find that you're seeing more interest and excitement from students wanting to learn about the ins and outs about cyber, less interest or kind of about flat at this point in time? Um, I think it's, well, we have record number of students in our program this semester, so I can use that. We've had like triple the number of students as, as we had like a few years ago in the program. So I think there's more interest. Um, we're getting more uh, foreign students coming in to take the program. We're getting um, online students. We're getting working professionals. We're getting, the other thing we're getting is undergraduates are starting to take security courses. Uh, and so they're taking some of our master's degree courses. And then there are people, who was it? Oh, um, one student is, he's going to, I thought this was really interesting. He's an undergrad, a computer science, major but he wants to minor in law because he wants to go into the compliance area i thought uh, that, i thought that's a good area right you just mentioned all the compliance and regulatory stuff right so security is so broad right it, it just covers a lot of things so i, I think um I, that kind of leads to what i was going to ask if you had a feel as to what the more popular path is what people are looking for my, my impression is that a lot of people want to do like some sort of like penetration test, whether it be red red teaming or blue teaming or purple teaming or plaid teaming, whatever that they use to tell them now. 
Um, but I think that there's, I've seen at the very least more of an interest and certainly a, a huge opportunity in the governance risk and compliance area. I'm wondering from your students, you just had one who's interested in that area. Uh, do you have a feel of like what they're really like thinking where they're wanting to go at this stage in the game? Well, that's so we get students in and I try to expose them. Our courses cover governance, risk and compliance, pen testing. So I try to expose them to a broad range of cyber defense uh, uh, pro, you know, work roles. And but yes, a lot of them think that they have to be a pen tester to be in security. And I'm telling you, if you look at the number of pen tester jobs, it's really low, you know, for whatever reason, they're not, there's a few people that do that, but not as a full-time job. So anyway, so, you know, areas like GRC are huge. If you don't have GRC, then you don't have anything. And there are more companies, I think more startup companies from stuff I've read that read that uh, are in the GRC space than any of the other spaces. So it's, well, <clears throat> it's, it's amazing. I'm just thinking about time because it's like, I remember you talking about this. We were having lunch at bricks pizza. Cause you know, of course we used to be in the same office space for a little bit of time yep. and that, that, and that that was like five years ago. And it's amazing to hear how this has gone. I'm, I'm, I've been I've been following you since. And uh, I mean, kudos. We need to be responsible for the next generation of cybersecurity professionals coming on board and love what you all are doing up there. Um, but uh, one of the dangers, of course, in cyber is that it can lead to burnout real fast. I know this personally because I was once in a position um, that uh, I, it was it was a difficult job to be in. And eventually the only way I could deal with burnout was was leaving, but I dealt with it short term, maybe with some not terribly healthy habits and just leave it at that. Uh, what's one of the things that you do to to get away from the stresses of of um, cyber or 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 maybe in your case, maybe what you did is that you went into teaching and I don't know how stressful teaching is. I, I was an adjunct for three semesters. I don't know if I'll ever go back. But yeah, what's one thing you do? Well, teaching is pretty stressful, right? Um, classes have to start on you know at nine or eight a.m. They yep. don't start at eight fifteen, and so <clears throat> it can be stressful. So, um, and I think it is—it's really important. So you just try to—I just try to do things in a balanced way. You have to spend some time recharging yourself in the gym or go on walks. So you have to deal with the physical aspects. You have to do that. And then you have to, you know, try to enhance your faith in spiritual areas as well. So I think you have to do all three and you just can't let the uh, cyber job be all consuming. Yeah, it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, balance is so important. I think the YMCA says it best. What is it? Mind, body and spirit is, yeah. is what you got to you got to concentrate on and have some sort of a balance between the three. I know for, for me, um, you know, it, I. I love the cyber aspect so much and I love the business ownership aspect so much that sometimes I'll find myself working 12, 14 hours a day. And at that point in time, I realized, wait, I'm not being healthy. So, yeah. Well, okay. So um, as far as future plans, what future plans do you have? Uh, uh, I'm really, I'm really focused on uh, excited about kind of developing the cyber workforce outside of the, uh, you know, traditional, uh, cyber security technical professionals sort of building a 
broad workforce. I think this is what the White House strategy is talking about. You know, we need to get more people involved in cyber. And so that's my mission, I guess, for the next few years. That's awesome. Well, Fred, it's been absolutely wonderful catching up with you. Next time you're in Nashville, I think maybe we were kind of alternating buying lunch. I think I might actually owe you lunch this time. So next time you're in Nashville, I'll buy you lunch and uh, we'll talk more about cyber. Where do you hang out these days? Are you in the city or Brentwood or? No, no, I'm actually, I'm still uh, in eSpaces, but in a different location. We are located oh. on the square, uh, downtown Franklin. Um, the other location where you and I were at uh, closed down about a year and a half ago or two years ago. Okay. So uh, yeah, if I look out to my window here, because I know you know the area, I'm looking north. Um, towards outside of Franklin and on the other side of the building is right over the square. You can see Chip, the statue, right out there um, nice. on, in, in the square. Remember it well. All right. Well, let me know when you're down here and everybody else, stay secure. <laughs> <laughs>